Hey, what's going on? This is the Educated Guest Podcast. I'm Justin, your host. Hey, if this is your first time listening, I just want to say thank you first and foremost for becoming a part of this community, becoming part of something bigger than yourself and being interested in self-development, personal development, and understanding that as an ongoing activity, not something that has a finite beginning and ending, but something that's fluid and exists on a spectrum throughout your entire life. So that said, you might be asking to yourself if this is your first time or your 100th time. Number one, what is this about? What is the core essence? What is the core energy behind this foundational understanding that exists, that persists? Um, and secondly, you know, what can we what can we expect as we move forward? If you've been listening for a while and maybe you're trying to understand how can you continue to grow? How can you continue to go better and get better? Um, I'm going to do my best to address both of those in um, this particular segment, in this particular episode. Uh, but I want to talk briefly about the origins of how we arrived here. Um, about two and a half years ago, in April of 2018, we were asking questions about the gap between the art school institution and the public and where the two might meet in an everyday since um, as someone who has been both outside looking in and inside looking out, I'm able to understand very clearly what exists that is of value and what is existing that is not of value within the walls and outside the walls. And our best attempt to do that is to bring to you over the past two and a half years, over 170, 180 hours worth of lectures to give you that feeling, that sense, that virtual art school that maybe you have always wanted and maybe you want that feeling again because you've already had it before. So we have three segments, incomplete thoughts, work study, well-read. They all satisfy a different condition that we're looking to, to, to go after. And hopefully this has been super helpful for you if you've been here before and hopefully this is the start of something beautiful if this is your first time. I've outlasted the intro music um, but one more thing, if you're interested in anything that I've just talked about in, in brief, um, then you can go to educated-guest.com, educated-guest.com. Subscribe to our newsletter if you are interested in that sort of thing. Um, we're not going to b- bother you with a whole bunch of emails, not going to be in your inbox every second of the day, but we're going to provide value when value is needed, and we're going to be quiet when we need to as well. Um, so those things said, I want to talk today about this idea of creating separation from the pack. And it's interesting because out of all of the lectures I've attended and all the lectures I've given, um, all the conversations I've had on record, uh, it's very odd to me that no one addresses the inherent comp- competitive nature of the field of creativity. Um, I think there's a sense of healthy competition that is needed. And then there's a sense of competition that can get out of hand. Today, we're talking about the healthy sense. And naturally, at the end of the year, you know, as we're only two or three weeks out from 2021, which is insane, but we can continue to say it's insane or we can just get used to the norm of being feeling prepared for three months from now, feeling prepared for six months from now, feeling prepared for what we want out of this new calendar year. And understanding it as, again, a linear spectrum as opposed to a series of checkpoints to get us excited and to speed up through a certain checkpoint. So what I've realized over the past, you know, specifically the past five to seven years, um, 
past five to seven years have been extremely important in my development because I've had a chance to put a lot of my ideas that were really theoretical at the time into practice. So a lot of what I'm talking about is stuff I've experienced firsthand, whether I'm working at somebody else's company or I'm running my own. These, these ideas are um, very real. Uh, and I think 2020 has put to the test a lot of these ideas that I've shared around routine, around mindset, around tactics of sales, tactics of practice, tactics of um, inquiry. Um, a lot of these things are extremely important. So today, today we're going to talk about how to get through this next two or three weeks. Um, when we talk about creating separation, we're talking about naturally the separation from your competition, the separation of you know, your business from another business, separation of your mindset from someone else's mindset. But one, people, one thing people don't often talk about is the separation from yourself currently from yourself two weeks ago, separating from your old self. It's a, that's the scariest condition. That's the scariest thought. And I've experienced that personally lately where I've had a lot of um, making a lot of life changes throughout 2020, just like everyone and 2021 as well. There's a lot of life changes on the docket. And in the midst of um, making these changes, you know, you, you, you come across a lot, a lot of fear. And the fear has to do with wanting a sense of continuity in your life, wanting a sense of consistency in your life, and at the same time, wanting difference. And that friction between the consistent and the, and the different is extremely, or the consistency and the conflict is extremely irritating. Um, I, I'll give an, a quick story that was extremely, you know, probably pretty personal, but I'll just go ahead and share it, is that I was um, unfortunately tested, I tested positive for COVID um, two or three weeks ago. And if you know me personally, you also know that that's extremely surprising because I don't go anywhere. And I tended to like the idea of quarantine because there's no pressure to go anywhere. Um, and I think that's most creatives who just enjoy spending time with their craft and spending time with those who also like that craft. Uh, so I test positive and I'm more or less bed on bed rest for roughly four to five days. And I never felt worse in my life. I get sick consistently two times a year, um, for seasonal allergies. And I can almost at this point, having had it every year for, for you know, over two decades, um, it's extremely, extremely, extremely irritating when you, it's extremely scary when you're expecting your sickness to be uh, waning, but it's again, like only growing in intensity. So gratefully, and by the grace of God, I'm, um, I'm feeling much better now. That was, you know, roughly 20 days ago when I first um, felt the first symptoms. But my point in bringing up this story is this. When I was laying on that bed, I was forced to consider my mortality. I was forced to consider the fact that maybe this might be an example or a reminder of what the end will inevitably look like. And as it relates to separation, 
the one thing that was very, very clear to me was that at the end of the day, the end of our lives, when all the chips are counted and all the cards are played, all that we have left is our memory. All that we have left are the fractions of what we've accomplished. We can't, when you are at a point where you physically can't create anything new, when you physically can't send another email, when you physically can't make another phone call, and financially there's not necessarily any reason to create any new business, but all you have left is sort of not your comparison to others because you don't have any energy to look at Instagram. You don't have any energy to look at Twitter. Only thing you're really looking at is maybe Netflix and that's about it. So you're forced to be in this huge sense of introspection where the blend between the real and the, and the unreal and the real and the surreal is extremely, extremely blurry. So why do I, why do I tell this story as it relates to this lecture? I tell this story one because, because, um, I want to share that the virus is extremely real. Um, it is extremely harsh. And as one of the more healthy people I know around me who, you know, is always sort of thinking about that, if it can do that to me, it can do that to anyone. Um, and I also do that. I also say this story because it's an imperative that you start thinking about what it is that you want to separate. How do you want to separate as we move to, through, the, through, the, through the end of this year? Maybe it's the way you spend your money. Maybe it's the way that you um, think about your fitness, the way you think about your body. Maybe it's the way you think about your diet, your, your nutrition. Maybe it's the way that you think about um, the type of business you're in, the type of offering you're in. And really all, what we're talking about is that you're starting – the way that you build confidence that you have lived a, a life worth living and you have lived your life to the fullest is that you begin doing things that you know the old you wouldn't do. Doesn't matter how big, how small it is, the way that you create, you create separation is by doing things that you know the old you would not do. And that's the way you can for sure be able to lie on your deathbed, lie on your on your back and just watch Netflix or watch Matlock or whatever, you know, mash or these, these ancient episodes, these ancient, uh, not ancient, but these older TV shows, vintage TV shows, and just be lying there and be able to have confidence that you gave it your all because each year, each month, each day, if you can tell yourself honestly that, Hey, you know, I sped up when the old me would have slowed down. I kept running when the old me would have stopped. I made that extra step. I made that extra email. I made that extra phone call when the old me wouldn't have. Those are the things that bring you confidence. And the one thing about confidence that people aren't really sure about a lot is they don't know how to delineate confidence from cockiness, confidence from arrogance. And there's this blurry line there that everybody wants to talk about. But the, the, the truth is that confidence comes from momentum. Momentum comes from consistency and consistency will kick the ass of fear. Fear can't do anything about consistency. Fear can't, you know, fear really doesn't want to see consistency in, the, in a one-on-one. The truth is that your momentum will create so much visionary energy that you're not worried about how fearful you are and how anxious you are and how scared you are about making that phone call, about having that meeting, about asking for this thing, about 
moving forward in this direction because the truth is that you know that the momentum is the key and the movement is the key because you ask anyone who's 70, 80, 90 years old, God willing, they've lived that long. The one thing they will tell you in terms of regret is that they didn't do things in their life sooner. That's it. And if you think about it, all of your regrets, maybe you're 25, maybe you're 35, maybe you're 40 listening to this. And thank you for you know having the humility and maybe just the wherewithal to listen to somebody who is running up on 30 years old as opposed to running up on 40 years old. So with these statements, it's true that, you know, when you look back on the past 10 to 15 years, the only things that I personally regret have to do with the time I spent deliberating on a decision, the time I spent trying to strategize, the time I spent starting to plan. And if you think about what people are doing right now, today is... What is today's date? Today is December 14th. On December 14th, um, most people are, one, trying to think about what they're doing for Christmas, which is an extremely anxiety-filled decision because they're trying to figure out if they it's worth the risk of meeting up with family. That's decision number one. Decision number two is trying to figure out when they're taking PTO. Um, decision number three, if they're in school or grad school, they're trying to figure out when their last assignment is so they can finally sleep into whenever they want. And they're thinking about all the food they get to eat and all the Netflix they get to watch and all of the, you know, drinking they get to do. All these things that are consistent with everybody's understanding. And everything I just said, everybody knows that that's what everybody's doing. So if that's what everybody's doing, what would happen if you did the opposite? Not on all of those things, but just 10% of those things, 1% of those things. What if you did the opposite? What if, while everybody's sitting here on December 15th trying to plan, you know, not just vacations, but just plan everything, you know, for the next two or three weeks. And that that way, when their January 1 hits, they can hit the ground running. That's important to a degree. But I learned a while ago, and I was reminded recently that planning doesn't take that long. Planning does not take that long, particularly in business. The quick thing that you know to do, you know, with with business and even with creativity, because, you know, but let's just talk, stick, stick on the topic of business is that everything boils down to a, a P&L statement. If you can look at your accounting and understand where your weak points are, that's the first place to start, um, particularly for small to medium sized businesses, large businesses. There's a lot of planning that goes on. And, and if you're planning on December 14th, what to do for January one, you're already, you're, you're so far behind that there's no point in doing it. Um, so that's that. What would you, that's my number one question is what would happen? What would your life look like if you did the opposite of what you know everybody else is doing? Number one. Number two is where are the areas in your life? Where are the areas in your life that you know are opportunities for separation from the old you. And the quick way to look at this, I'll give you an example in my life. I know for me that my biggest problem is probably like snacking around the house, snacking around the house. And I say this because for about a year, majority, I would say 90% of this year, I've practiced intermittent fasting from the time I wake up until 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for the most part, I don't eat. Um, I drink water and I drink coffee. 
and I take my dinner and I take my only meal of the days, only meals of the day from roughly 7 p.m. to 11 p.m. or 7 p.m. to 10.30 at the latest. Um, I've since extended that and changed that up because I didn't like eating so late to like 6 to 9 p.m., 6.30 to 9.30. I'm just shifting it around. But the point of me bringing this up is that my big problem is snacking. If I don't have like a meal set up for me to eat, I'll eat whatever because I know that intermittent fasting will actually um, sort of take care of any bad eating. But the problem with that is that, yes, your digestive tract and, you know, your your immune system and all of the things that, you know, it's going to break down whatever food you get put in there. But no one ever talks about how terrible you feel when you eat when you eat poorly. When you eat poorly, I personally feel bad. I get depressed. I get sad. I feel worse about myself. Uh, and there's physio- your physiology is an indicator of how you're going to feel. So I know that for me throughout the rest of the year and moving into 2021, the big challenge for me is going to be controlling and creating new opportunities for me to eat better. Not you know, trying to focus on what I'm going to restrict or what I'm going to, what I can't have, but focusing on creating excitement around what I can't have. So if I have no meat in the fridge, if I have no protein in the fridge, if I have no protein in the cabinet, no protein in the, in the pantry, then it's going to be a problem for me to not snack. Why? Because I work all day long and at 7 PM, I'm ready to eat. I don't care what is in my way. I'm ready to eat something. So at 6.37 p.m., if I go in there and there's nothing in the fridge but ice cream, cookies, and, you know, chips or whatever there is, I'm going to just start snacking on the chips because I haven't had anything all day. But that's a problem. So I need to start creating opportunities for me to eat better. And the thing about this, right, is that everybody has their own vice. Everybody has their own addiction. And it's important that you understand what yours is and you have to understand the, the circumstances in which the addiction arises. Maybe it's on Saturday, Friday afternoons that you've had a long week and you feel that day drinking is your thing. And maybe you, so you have a beer, you crack open one beer, two beer, three beers, whatever you crack open, you know, the bottle of white wine and you just kill it. Or maybe you, you have an evening, you know, dinner lined up all the time. And you break your rule a couple of times and throughout the week because you said, hey, I'm only going to eat out on the weekends because I'm spending too much money eating out and order and take out or whatever. So maybe it's that you need to get more. Um, zoom in on that. And that's your 10 percent separation. The point in me talking about fitness, talking about nutrition, talking about the body is that all of these things are related. The way your body is indica- might be a great indication of your diet, great indication of your nutrition, great indication of how you do spend your money, great indication of how you run your business, and great indication of how you view yourself. All of these things are extremely important as we move into the year because everybody, why? Because everybody's slowing down. Everybody's taking time off. Everybody's eating poorly. And the truth is that if you are looking over your shoulder at somebody to compete with, if you know that the clients that you're trying to go after, you know, maybe they haven't had time to focus on you because they have someone on retainer already or they have someone, you know, beating down their door already. The one time they're probably not beating down the door is through the holidays. 
So what are the things that you could do that would be a separator during the holidays? An example would be, when do you say Merry Christmas? When do you say Happy Holidays? When do, when, when do you send out your correspondence with regard to that? Is it on Christmas Day to all your friends, family, clients, all that? Is it on Christmas Day? Chances are that on Christmas Day, nobody's going to read this and you're going to be just like everybody else because everybody does that. So maybe it would make sense for you to come a day or two early. Maybe it would make sense for you to not just make the phone call, but to make a personal delivery. Um, if you can do that in a safe way, maybe it would make sense for you to not just send a text, but to make the phone call. Do, do something that's a little different. And I know it's going to be irritating. It's going to be annoying. It's going to be very, very, very uh, anxiety feeling. But it's important that you start thinking differently. Why? Because like I mentioned, at the end of the day, on your deathbed, you're going to look back and say, what did I do? How did I leave an impact? Did I live? Did I love? And did my life matter? And that's all that we're after. Hopefully this is helpful for you. Um, if you liked what you heard today, if some of this makes sense for your life, I would advise you and I would recommend highly that you go to educated-guest.com, subscribe to our email newsletter, and really get deeply entrenched into this community, into this ecosystem. And if you also want to get more connected with the conversations and the other people who might be involved with this community, you can go to at educated underscore underscore guests on Instagram and follow us there. That's all we have for today. Thank you so much. Till next time. Peace.